0: everybody, welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 42 and I am Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. And for this episode, I had the chance to talk with food and documentary photographer uh, Penny De Los Santos. Uh, she lives up in New York, but real quick before I get into uh, our conversation, I want to update uh, everyone on the Musea Gathering. Uh, right now we have 9 out of 20 seats that are sold f- for the New York City Gathering. Uh, we've actually moved it to Jin Huang's place, which something I'm really excited about. Uh, It's going to be very intimate and uh, cozy setting. So this will allow us to hang out a bit at night, Uh, might be able to cook some food, and we can just um, relax, have some drinks, that kind of a thing, versus uh, with the the studio that we were going to have it in, we were going to be kicked out at like 6. So this will definitely allow for some extended just kind of hang time uh, networking, that kind of stuff. So I'm really pumped about it. Um it's, uh, yeah, like 25 days away. So if you haven't got your tickets yet and considering going, uh, please uh, grab uh, your tickets. We have about uh, half left, so about 10, 10 11 seats left. Uh, you can just get those at museagathering.com. Uh, yeah, and that's it. So on to the podcast with Penny. She's an award-winning, internationally published photographer. Uh, she's a contributing photographer for National Geographic Magazines, and she's shot for tons and tons of different publications. She's traveled to over 30 countries, and she's been uh, published in certain magazines such as Martha Stewart Living and Time Magazine, Newsweek, Sports Illustrated, Caribbean Travel, and U.S. News and World Report. So she is well-versed in uh, documentary and travel work. In this uh, episode, we talk about why she decided to specialize in food photography and how she's been able to combine her documentary work with her focus on food and we talk a little bit about the realities of the photo business which i think you'll find quite interesting so thank you so much for listening as always and we'll see you soon thanks Penny, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I know you're busy, so I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me for a little bit. How are you?
1: I'm well, and I'm very excited to be here, so thanks for inviting me.
0: Good. Um, well, the first thing I just ask everybody is basically just how did you get started in photography? What's your your background, and how did you end up where you are today?
1: Uh, I have a undergraduate degree in journalism, and um I have always been interested in photography and studied it as an undergrad and then um out of graduate, out of um undergrad, I went to graduate school but not directly um but in the end i I ended up going to graduate school in photography um, just to get better at it and to understand you know, the elements of composition and color and really just study all the classical forms of art and, and grow as a visual storyteller. Um, so yeah, I have a kind of a more formative education in photography.
0: And you're, I mean, cause you were, your background, at least according to like your website and stuff is you were actually, you weren't raised here, correct? You were in Europe?
1: Uh, well, I was born in <clears throat> I was born in Germany. My father was in the military, so we moved around.
0: Okay. But yeah,
1: I mean, for the most part, I just kind of began my life in Europe, but then eventually moved to the states.
0: Was your? But
1: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an American citizen. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I had I had dual citizenship for a brief period so, until I was 21, and then I had to forfeit it.
0: I'm oh kind of no. <laughs> um. Was your like your your father your mother? I mean, were they connected to photography at all, or just you picked it up on your own?
1: No, I uh, have no connection whatsoever. And as far back as I've ever looked in my family, with anybody being creative or artistic in any way.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, and then after you got your undergrad, did you go? You went, got a master's, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I got a master's in visual communication and. Um,
0: yeah. Very cool. Um well, I l kinda of looking at your work and seeing kind of what you're about. Um one of the things obviously is I mean, you obviously have this storytelling nature about you. I'm I'm interested in a little bit of like why you're drawn to photography versus like writing or just being a, a journalist of some sort.
1: can you repeat that
0: whole thing again I'm sorry I cut out no no um yeah I'm looking at your work and everything I'm I'm, obviously you like to tell stories in a lot of ways um and so I'm interested in why you chose photography what is it about the visual medium versus just being like a writer or something where you can still tell stories that way
1: yeah uh I think I think I was really drawn to photography at an early age, primarily because it took me into people's lives. And I realized that pretty quickly, um, I could use the camera to gain access to people I wanted to know or people I was drawn to. Um, And it was almost thrilling. So yeah, I, I remember in high school, kind of wanting to get to know somebody and asking them if I could, you know, make their picture photograph them and, and not even knowing them at all. And, and having it just be this, it was, and it was this really intimate feeling. And I remember not even really knowing them, but being curious about them and then, you know, photographing them and, and realizing in that space just how intense that felt. It was, real, And I think it drew me to the camera because it was this way to enter people's lives. And yeah. And I, I, it's kind of amazing how people transform in front of the camera and change or hide or, um, glow. It's just, I'm always fascinated by that, you know, but I think I'm more fascinated by how I can, um, kind of stop somebody just by saying I want to photograph you it's yeah. kind of incredible
0: um, with with your kind of your history I guess of like how you were raised and stuff and being traveling around and the things obviously you're you know you're very into culture and food and everything I'm interested for you though I mean was your journey did it start with an interest in culture first and then the food thing came later is that how that works yeah for sure <laughs>
1: Yeah. I um I got my training. The first 10 years of my professional career was with National Geographic and and um and in beginning with them it was always about, you know, geographically showing where you're at, always putting a place or people in a context of the space that they're in and and you're always so you're always thinking about what do the people look like, and what does the place that they're in look like, and how do people move? Where are the stores? Where are the streets? So it's it's all those details and elements about geography, that which is what that magazine is all about, that have everything to do with culture. So yeah, it was always in the beginning for me about culture. Um That's what drew me to. Um, wanting to work with them, and my first projects were always about cultural identity and how people identify with a particular subset or subculture in society and why and what makes up that culture, so for sure. And then sort of stumbled into food photography. I did stumble into food photography with an editor who I had um, a professional relationship with with other magazines, not related to food in any way at all. And then when he moved into working for this one food magazine, um, he started kind of sending me to different countries, um, you know, looking at cultures, but really looking at these cultures as they gather around food and it immediately drew me in. I thought it was very interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm interested a little bit because I mean looking at your work in in terms of your journey because I see obviously there's a lot of great you know documentary photographers out there um but seeing that you like committed to something like you know cultures and subcultures and and how people <laughs> live within those but then you later added that that this layer of food um right. to kind of create almost like a a a, a niche or niche or whatever um right. How do you recommend, like as photographers are growing or developing their their vision or their style, is that something you really recommend of like you you focus on one thing you're interested in and then once you kind of explore that enough that you maybe add a second layer at a a later point or would you suggest adding like two layers at the same time? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, in the beginning of, of any photographer's career, I think they're shooting everything. I think they're taking any assignment they can get, and maybe they're not 100% sure the direction they want to go. Maybe they have a handful of beautiful portraits, or and then another handful of really great sports action shots, and then maybe some really beautiful, um, you know, uh, stories that they've shot. Uh I know in my experience and in my career, I think the more seasoned you are, the more specialized you become. And I think the better business person you are, the more specialized you become. Um, At the end of the day, it's a business, unfortunately. (laughs) And no one really talks about that a lot, Uh, but it is. So... Specializing, for me, I I never would have anticipated going into food. I I fell into it, and I loved it. And thankfully, um, you know, I started shooting food when the recession started in 2008. So it really saved me. You know, it opened up other jobs for me big time, whereas – photojournalism and documentary work, those doors were shutting, you know, Newsweek closed its doors, time stopped giving as many assignments, the geographic was slowing down. A lot of those magazines where I was, you know, being supported was changing. Um, And so, you know, diversifying and specializing in food really helped me stay alive. Um, So I think I can always tell when I'm looking at people's portfolios, where they are in their career, and um, if they kind of have a little bit of everything, I, I think it just shows that maybe in the first five years, seven years, and then as they start to get deeper into their career, you can start to really see where they, where what they want to say, and and the area they've decided to specialize in. It makes a huge difference. Um, so, and I actually think it's smart for photographers to have two. Uh, Kind of a two-tier specialty, you know, whether it's still life and food or portraiture and travel, um, you know, this opens up a whole other conversation. But you know, mm-hmm. even the way people, even the way people put up their websites and the images they put on their website, um, I think a lot of photographers put images on their website for other photographers so that they can mm. look really good. But when it comes to advertising, they really want to see something else. And I think they want to see some vision, but advertising is pretty safe. So they just want to see that you can execute, but tone it down when you have to. So it's interesting. You know, I, I, I will look at someone who I think has an amazing career and I'll go to their website or I've heard about them and I go to their website and I'm always, I think their work's beautiful, but it's not, you know, this amazing body of work and that's because they have an agent and they have, they're catering to a certain type of client and they're really trying to make money. It's a business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of diving specifically into the food thing for you. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm really interested in what, what you've learned about kind of humanity through this culture of food. Um, Because I I, I see it in your work, and I'm just interested in what what that is for you.
1: For me, traveling all over the world, photographing the way people gather around a table, the way people cook together, the way people um, have community. um, I, I find that food kind of instantly doesn't matter... What culture I'm in, or what divides I may have with anybody—social um, differences, political differences, different, um, you know, economic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds—all of that disappears immediately um, when we talk about food. It's it's really powerful. Um, I've seen it happen everywhere I go. Um, it's this immediate, you know, connection and people, I mean, not everybody is crazy about food, but nine times out of 10, if I'm there to photograph them, they're pretty crazy
0: about food. <laughs>
1: um, I'm there for a reason. So, but it, it, from what I've seen, it's, it's an incredible um, connector and it's a very powerful way people, pass down their personal stories and their family traditions and it's really interesting, you know, and I, I have to say, you know, Americans don't necessarily have the most romantic or, um, yeah, I guess romantic food culture at all. I would say it's, you know, it ranks as one of the lowest for me in the world. (laughs) Um, but that said, there's also, you know, there's a lot of um regional food culture that is pretty powerful in the States, but it's still, you know, as a country overall on the whole, it's, it's pretty low. And, um, so I guess, I mean, I've learned so many things, but I, in, at the, at the core of it for me, it's just how food has completely, um, Made any differences I might have had with anybody I could be photographing completely go away the minute we start talking about food and just watching the hardest person or what seems to be the hardest person just turn into a completely different person as they share their mother's recipe for whatever. Um, it's it's really powerful. It's a wonderful way to enter people's lives. I do have to say because I feel like I've entered people's lives from a harder place. Um, from my previous background, you know, more hard-hitting, intense photojournalism, um, and and it's just a, it's so much more. I don't want to say fulfilling, but it's a lot more um, palpable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd, obviously, I think there's like a oneness that happens with, you know, and which I think you're describing. Yeah. With, um, <clears throat> you know, when you sit down to share a meal with somebody, there's uh you know, in, an intimate thing that happens. I mean, even if it's mm-hmm. just business, like you go for like a lunch meeting or something. There's just something about that versus uh, anything else that's just more, yeah, bonding. You know, um, yeah.
1: I mean, sharing. Uh, it's it's about ultimately it's about you know really revealing who you are and even wh- whether you you are the traditional person that would talk about food in your family or or not. It's it's really. It's very revealing for someone to say, yeah, you know, this is, it conjures up a lot of memories for people. So for someone to share, this is something that my mother taught me to make. And it's, it's just as intimate as making someone's picture as photographing them. It's, that's a very intimate thing. So I think cooking for someone, inviting them into your house and cooking for them and having them be a part of the whole process of that meal is very
0: intimate.
1: Mm. Um, very intimate. It's, it's a very intimate thing. So I feel like it's when I leave most people's homes, just specifically, you know, when I'm in a foreign country and, you know, spending time with someone as they're cooking, it's <clears throat> when I leave, it's it's as if we've made it. We've had a serious connection and, you know, yeah. th- there's a bond that was formed for
0: sure. Yeah. I'm interested, I mean, I don't know, I guess as we talk about this, I'm thinking about, like, you know, you mentioned, like, American culture, and I don't know, there's, like, all these, like, stats of stuff of, like, where, you know, family units don't share a meal as often as they used to, say, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and and how that's, Mm -hmm. like, fractured the family unit to some degree, and we live all these isolated lives here in America, you know, even just with our kids, whether it's, you know, eating with the TV on, or, Right. Or, or whatever. And, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are with like that, with, con, you know, contrasting that to maybe some of your experiences in other countries where, you know, the, the process of, of making a meal is maybe ours. And, you know, that's how they bond as a family and what those family units are like, and just how the culture is different, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say that you know, anytime I've photographed anything in the States, it's it's because something's happening. So it is, you know, a family that's coming together to do a big, you know, gathering for some type of food celebration. So, I, I, but I'm I'm thinking about something as simple as you know, even even down to you know, the places where we eat. I think Americans are are quicker to go out to eat and buy that meal rather than cook that meal. So, and that, that's probably the first difference. And then the second difference for me is that the way our food is sourced is completely different. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people I photograph in foreign countries, they're going to the local market that is, you know, it's not a white tent farmer's market. It's, you know, it's run down. It smells pretty nasty. The produce is beautiful. Um, but it's been, you know, that market's been there for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's something they do. It's, it's built into their life and it's something their mother did and it's something their, their mother did. Um, and you know, they're they're cooking more from a really simple place. It's not complicated. There aren't a lot of cookbooks, if any. Um, and it, they're making probably the same five to seven meals constantly. Um, here in the states, where you know we're a wealthier country, we eat out a lot more. We have a lot of cookbooks. We experiment a lot more with our food. We go to the grocery store that's mass producing food. It's a different experience. It's pretty sterilized. It takes a lot of the character from a visual standpoint um out of it for me. Um, I'm not sure if I completely answered your question, but
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, I think you did. Um... And I don't – I'm interested in in this for you just because – I don't know. Like I feel like there's like your typical food photographer that, you know, does like all these really beautiful studio stuff, which you have that but you still have a different take on it. Uh, But that's typically when you think food photographer, that's what you think of. But you have this kind of, you know, ethnic uh, travel, exotic kind of (laughs) documentary stuff obviously that you do – Um. But I I sense, like, there's almost, like, this reverence or, like, sacredness for food that you are looking for that you capture quite often. Um, And kind of as we're talking about, you know, contrasting that with American culture and the processed foods and, like, some of the unhealthy eating habits that we have here, um, I didn't know – I wondered if you were ever going to maybe think about exploring that issue of, like, how food is – in some ways it's almost like a medicine for us. It's like this really good thing for us socially in our bodies, but then food can also Mm -hmm. be this really negative thing where it's almost like a poison, you know? Um, Yeah,
1: (laughs) no, that would be, I, I would, I think that's a wonderful project and that would be incredible. I would love to travel across the U S and document food culture and what it is truly what it is, you know, whether, whatever that looks like. Um, both the positives and the negatives. And, and you know, and, and you would find that in other countries too. Um, mm. you just don't find it as much. <clears throat> um, I would love to do that. I, it would be a wonderful project. Maybe, you know, but I think I need funding. Yeah. Serious funding. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm always looking for, those pictures, they're so telling. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's that quintessential photograph at the end of a meal where there's just all this mess. Of the one You pull away and it's like, Whoa, Holy cow. It's like a, a little landmine just went off there. It's an explosion of just stuff. And you pull back and you see that scene and it just says so much. It's that idea where you're just kind of, looking around different environments, trying to find those pictures that say something beyond the obvious. They say something more than what you would expect, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just takes time. I'm always looking for those pictures. Those are dream shots. And, um, you know,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, and, and it's, I'm not always in a place to find them, but, you know, I have this, I have this shoot coming up in a few weeks where I'm doing a road trip, uh, with a, with a, a, another, with a writer for a magazine and we're traveling through the South. And, and so, yeah, I think there will be chances to see more of kind of like American food culture and what that looks like and not, not, not a fair or not a barbecue, but the real life, mm-hmm. um, what is and what isn't there, uh, So that, that, that should be interesting, but then it, you know, is the magazine really going to run that, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that the, I mean, it's funny. I, I,
1: I, it's, it's a real, it's a real, it's a, it's a dialogue. I actually had a magazine tell me very recently. Um, and I was blown away by it, but it's true. It's true. It's so true. Um, they offered me an assignment, great magazine, um, beautiful photography. And the first thing they said was, can you just not, can you just make sure, you know, we don't, we don't want to make people look so impoverished. So if you could just not do that,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of intense, but uh, I just thought to myself, okay. um, So, I mean, you know, you got to keep that in mind too. Like there are pictures you make for yourself and then there are pictures you make to make your client happy, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the two almost, you know, always go together. Most, most of the time they don't.
0: Yeah. Cause it's on your, um, <laughs> it's going through your blog and, and you had a post just about personal work mm-hmm. and how that's very important for you. Um, so I guess talk a, a little bit about that. Cause that seems like a nice, you know, segue there.
1: Well, I think it's it's all those pictures you you wish would get published or all those kind of threads uh, single images that begin to say larger things or they stylistically show your personal voice or your personal vision in a single image. It's those ideas that you're able to really explore, you know? And I think they feed your soul. Um, it's really hard to find people to publish those you know, and it's getting even more difficult. So I think it's important to, to do that, to find projects that you care about, that you're not in any way thinking, Hey, I can sell this or, you know, maybe someone will publish this, but you're, you're doing it. You're doing it because you love it and you're excited and it fuels you and it makes you more creative. And I think then you're in a place where it's healthy. Um, I mean, that's no. what personal work is for me. It's a hundred percent about it's, it's all the photographs you really want to make, but you can't because you're trying to make your client happy. Right. I mean, ideally you're making both of those at the same time. That's the goal, but they, they don't always match up, but hopefully you're making both sets of pictures, but you're maybe not delivering both sets. Does yeah. <clears throat> that makes sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does for sure. And One of the things I think that's interesting, especially with photographers that um, are maybe up and coming or new in their career or whatever, you know, I think they look maybe at like your work and what you do and they think, oh, she must have like this dream situation where she gets to travel and and she never has to compromise her vision and it's all the the perfect thing. But, um, you know, the reality is you – you know, it is a business like you're saying and there is struggle between – you know, shooting for your client and delivering also what you are excited about, you know, what stories you're seeing at the same time. Yeah. So it's,
1: it is. I think there's still an older generation of photographer that is living on, you know, the coattails of that legacy of, of, you know, traveling the world and shooting whatever they want and getting those dream assignments. And, and I think it still happens, but you know, they live in a part of the country that's not expensive. I live in New York city. I have, I pay a lot of rent. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: you know, I have a lot, some overhead, so, you know, I've got to meet that. And so, you know, I want clients who pay really well. Um, that's that's kind of important. And then that supports the ones that don't, but they're great assignments, you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, being a photographer is it's a lot about business <laughs> yeah. when you get to a certain point, it it's all about business. You know, you don't want to pick up your camera unless you're paid, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but it didn't start out like that, but you know, you, you've got to make a living. Yeah. That's kind of, <clears throat> it's kind of a huge part of photography. I think I, I, I'm, meet a lot of people who are photographers, who are aspiring photographers. And there's going to be a point where they realize, you know, you got to make a living and you have to push yourself. And, and that means you got to be really uncomfortable. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean that, you know, you, you, you get in over your head, you take, convince people that you can do the job even though you're not really sure if you can, this is in the <laughs> beginning. Right? But then you hire everybody you need to make sure you do that, the job better than you could have ever anticipated in the client as well. And and that's, that's what you're challenging yourself. You're, and you're, and you're succeeding, you know, and that's really what Starter's is about. It's, you know, there's this great Dorothea Lang quote that uh, she says, uh, I realized, more and more that to be a great photographer you get in over your head not just up to your neck and that is so true it's about selling yourself um and and then you know selling yourself beyond what you think you can do and then and then doing it yeah because you'll do it um if that makes any sense
0: no and and i think that's a um I don't know if you would say like a rule for creativity or not, but I feel like that's a bit, a bit of a norm is that you tend to, uh, you know, there has to be a bit of a fear, Yeah. You're always fear trying to think or, that you don't think you have. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You're pushing into the unknown is, is forces you to do stuff maybe that you wouldn't do otherwise. And, uh, makes you grow, I guess, and stretch.
1: Um, yeah.
0: <clears throat> which is how you, you know, get better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I, I just, I'm, I'm still baffled by habit has not stopped. You know, there's never a job. Well, every job I get, I'm always thinking, Oh, this is going to be great. It's not, I'm not feeling as if I can't achieve it, but it's just, you know, you're, you're constantly striving and reaching for those clients that you're thinking, man, I don't know if this is possible, but here goes, you know, (laughs) that that's the whole idea is that you're, you're, you're reaching for that constantly. Um,
0: Kind of on the food topic, Um, since you are around food so much, I was wondering, you know, what your, I guess your favorite food is. Like if you could have one last meal, what would that be? Because I'm (laughs) imagining you have had like a lot of stuff that most of us haven't had, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I actually, for me, um, when I think about food. For myself, I really think about it's not just the food. Uh, it's about the environment and, and who's around me. So for me, a perfect meal is just as much about the ingredients and the recipe as it is about the people and where we've gathered. In fact, I think those are the two most key ingredients. Who's with you and where are you? Um, we could be eating, you know, you know, Garden tomatoes with sea salt and olive oil, and it would be heaven. But if I wasn't sitting with someone that I cared a lot about, it wouldn't it wouldn't mean as much, you know. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but uh, specifically related to food, I I'm a simple eater. I don't need complicated food. I don't want to sit in a white tablecloth restaurant, and I don't want to go through a 21 course meal. That to me is it's fine. I've done it. I do it for a living and I don't need that in my, in my regular life. I want to, I, I just want simple things that taste really well. It's well-sourced ingredients and someone who knows how to put them together in a very simple way. I think my favorite meals are no more than five ingredients, you know, mm-hmm. and those are at a, the, also some of the best restaurants in New York city mm-hmm. where it's just, it just comes down to really good, well-sourced ingredients and, and seasoning. <clears yeah. <clears <throat> um,
0: yeah, I mean, because your work, everything seems to be kind of um, from the earth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, even
1: – I mean, I I, I I have to do some high-end stuff sometimes, but I, I, I mean, there's – I'm not sure how – it's just not – it's just not me. I don't – I find that not to be as personal, you know. I, I really want to engage people. Yeah. And even when I cook, you know, I want to, I want to share with them, you know, I just did this shoot in Ecuador and it was on cacao. So it was on chocolate and I brought back all this chocolate and I'm having like a chocolate tasting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not like a tasting. It's more like, ah, check out this chocolate from these, you know, people that have, you know, had a cacao feel in their family for 300 years, you know, it's incredible and it's single sourced from this, place at the foot of the andes you know and this woman made this and this you know it's it's more about the stories and the chocolate's really good and it's chocolate like i've never had before um but it's more about look how cool this is you know
0: yeah yeah i i also go ahead
1: it's the story it's about the story Mm -hmm. for me it's the narrative
0: yeah um another i don't know i also wonder kind of what you uh maybe what's the craziest thing you've ever had because i'm imagining if you're at some crazy exotic place that i don't know i guess you know i've seen some of the like travel channel food shows and yeah. stuff so i don't know if you've like in a situation where you have to eat something just, just just to be like you know gracious and to follow customs that you maybe weren't totally excited about
1: yeah <laughs> You know, I, I haven't, I'm always, thr- Look, I was just in Ecuador and this woman, she cooks for all these, um, <clears throat> all these men that harvest the cacao and she was, they had just kill the pig. And the first thing they eat is all the sweetbreads and the intestines and the liver and it's intense. I mean, it's intense. And of course, you know, she offers it to us and I was like, oh man. <laughs> I not want to eat that. <laughs> well, so then, you know, you just, you you tell you just you're not that hungry. Um, and then, you know, and then of course you have something you have to. You can't not. And yeah. then, you know, I just make sure I fill my bowl up with a lot of rice. <laughs> well, I'm kind of moving around a little bit. <laughs> it's it <gets> intense. <laughs> I think I've had more intense stuff than, like, I can't believe you actually ate that. You no. Know? Um, <clears throat> one time I had this woman in Peru scrambled eggs and um, the shells from crabs mm. for the delicacy. It was like a, a regional dish, and people loved it, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I've had, I mean, it's more like, wow, I can't believe, it's not, you know, you ate a monkey heart or something or a brain or anything like that, right. Um uh in I was in the Amazon in South America, and I had um, they're called river they're called river shrimp, but they're really <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd call them shrimp, but they, they're kind of like they're kind of like crawfish or crawdads. I don't know if you know crawdads, mm-hmm. but they're, they're really. I used to catch them as a kid, and yeah. I never thought I would have ever eaten them. But again, it was one of those local regional delicacies, and you had to try it. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be sick there's <laughs> no way I'm going to stomach this uh, I'm trying to, guinea pigs. guinea pigs this woman had this little um, kind of quadrant off base in her yard it was all these guinea pigs and the next within four or five hours that's what we were eating you know for uh, dinner and I'm like oh man <laughs> um, yeah I mean nothing crazy nothing crazy I've had a near uh, death experience with food I was, again, it was in, when I was in Peru. This is one of my first assignments. And this chef there, he goes up into the Amazon River and he takes a canoe and canoes up it. And he gets into these remote um, villages. And he gets to know the natives and he learns their recipes and he brings back all these special fruits and vegetables. And if you've ever been to the Amazon, the fruits there are like nothing you've ever experienced. It's incredible. Anyway, he... Invited me and the writer who I was working with to this like big tasting at this beautiful restaurant and we're you know getting to the meal and you know it was fine we say good night thank you totally done and I go back to the hotel and I think it was like three or four in the morning I wake up I can't breathe and my throat is I go into the bathroom I I can't even my mouth my throat is closing mm-hmm. I was going through yeah. and was some kind of shock. And I had to call the front desk and they sent an ambulance immediately and they, and they gave me like this, uh, allergic sh- this shot, I can't remember like epinephrine or something. And, um, and I passed out and it was, it was one of the scariest moments of my life, but yeah, and some rare sh- shellfish or something that he had harvested and sourced and served us. And I totally, <laughs>
0: wow.
1: I totally went down. It was intense. <laughs> Wow. but yeah
0: well wow. um i watched your uh ted talk today which was amazing oh, by cool. the way <clears throat> oh thank you um you know and you you kind of wrap up the uh that talk and you're talking about um being open to life um seeing and, and living and kind of soaking in like every second of your life, your every you know everything you mm-hmm. just living, being a kind of a sponge, I guess, and being um, attentive and present. Um, so, I guess if you can like ex- expand on that a little bit, um, and what you and what you mean by that in your talk.
1: Um. Well, when I was, you know, when you're growing and and you're kind of in this photographic life, and you're, you know, trying to understand what makes you photograph one scene and not another and start to really analyze like how you're reacting to things and what is it about that? And in the beginning, you don't really think about it as a reaction. You're just kind of reacting. Um, But then, you know, as you break it down creatively, you then start to think, well, why am I reacting to that? And are you really listening to everything you're reacting to? Um, So that's kind of where it started for me is, um i really started to think about what i was responding to and why was i responding to it and really uh, listening to those small little things i was responding to because as a photographer i think we we notice things a lot more a lot more intricately than most people we notice details we noticed we notice timing um sounds gestures um all of those things and i think the more every time we notice those i think there's a potential photograph is what it basically broke down for me as mm-hmm. so i really started to kind of listen to my instincts a lot more and as i did that i realized that you know <clears throat> it's it's just, it's all about just really thinking about where your pictures are coming from and finding those places and, and listening to the things that you're reacting to. And 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 when you do that, you realize they're all around you all the time. And there are nuances, you know, it's just about life's nuances and and really seeing them, taking the time to see them.
0: Yeah. But I feel like it's getting harder and harder because we just all live so distracted lives anymore. Oh, know?
1: man, yeah. <laughs> With- Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so true. It's horrible. Yeah. And this city is especially like that. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's getting harder and harder and harder. And I think, you know, that's why I think it's really special when someone can do that. You know, I think you have to turn your phone off and maybe not even bring it with you or maybe that's your camera. So maybe you should, but, you know, put it on airplane mode. And um, I used to do that. I used to. I used to give myself daily assignments for like, you know, 30 minutes, I'd just like go on a walk. And in that 30 minutes, I would just photograph whatever I reacted to. Whatever my instincts were stopping and responding to, me, I was mm-hmm. photographing it. And it was just an exercise to really listen to my intuition because that's where, you know, photographs are. I mean, if you think about all the classic, all the masters in street photography, that's what they did. They were, they were incredible at finding these nuances in life and they were sometimes magical moments. And sometimes they were so quiet and tiny that you could barely see them. But when you did, it was really powerful.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, With your uh, switching gears a little bit, um, to like your studio stuff. Does I, I look at it, and I think um, a little bit about, like, Ir, Irving Penn's still life, and I didn't know if he has, like, influenced you very much in how you arrange things.
1: Oh, my God, yes. I think he he's amazing. He was amazing, yeah, without a doubt. I have two of his photographs that I look at constantly. Uh, yeah, I think he was the first food starver. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> For sure, I think you know. And again, it's he had a wonderful way of, yeah, just kind of seeing everyday life in a different way. It's really powerful, and they still resonate today, which is kind of amazing. But yeah, yeah that's a that's an incredible compliment. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, pro- I mean, yeah, no problem. I mean, because he <laughs> he was really great at you know, um, he would stack things and. But it's almost like he was designing it uh, with, like, mm-hmm. the color balances and and even just how he would lean things and balance things on top of each other. Um, you know, some of your shots are more, obviously, like, flat onto a table, but um, there's still that very intentional what's on bottom, what's on top, you know, where do you want the red yeah. versus the green, and it's all very orchestrated, yeah. Um, but he had that very intentionality in his work, which I, I, I sense a little bit in yours. So, um, I'm interested a little bit in your in f- for you, like the contrast between shooting st- studio food stuff versus the documentary stuff, because it's like polar opposites. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it's
1: hor it's a horrible. Um... <laughs> I feel like I get spoiled in the studio because I've got an assistant and I have, you know, a food stylist, a prop stylist. There's a lot of people on set and everybody's thinking about the one photograph. We're all making that one idea even better with every frame. Spending a lot of time, you know, thinking about that one thing on set and what would make it better? What would give it more tension, What would, you know, elevate it in some way? Um, and then when you're in the field it's me it's me by myself or me with a writer or me with a fixer <clears throat> but it's it's a one man show so to speak a one person show um so it is it, it it's not as um it almost feels kind of deflating in a sense cuz it doesn't hit me over the head as fast you know i don't have as many people there thinking about it with me. And sometimes I, you know, I struggle to make it as engaging as something I'd shoot in the studio. Um, But sometimes it's just that beautiful, you know? Um, I think food is very, I think food is when it's beautiful, when it comes out of the oven or off of the stove or, you know, off of the cutting board it's if it's beautiful there it's going to be it's, you don't really need to do much on set and it, that goes for the same in the field if you're in a market and it's gorgeous in the woman's hands as she puts it on a plate it's there's not i don't need to do much to it but um the variables are totally all over the place in the field you know it's not stuff the food sits for a little longer it dies quicker it <clears throat> there's You know, I'm in a busy market. I'm not speaking the local... I don't speak the local language. There's all these Mm -hmm. kind of stressors around me and I need to focus and make this this city to look beautiful. But it's got too much liquid in it and I hate the glass that they put it in. And (laughs) The guy that's eating it isn't very attractive. I need to find somebody that's better looking. I mean, it's horrible things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, those are... It's hard. It's a lot harder in the field um, because it still has to be appetizing and it still has to look uh, exciting. And it it definitely, you want to invite people in and you want to inspire people. Um, but none of the variables are in your hands. They're all up to someone else.
0: Yeah. So then- yeah,
1: so, you just have to ask people really nicely and, you know... Mess with it a lot, and you know just work extra hard
0: <laughs> yeah does the does the balance between kind of like having a hundred percent control and then having like no control? is that something you find that is is good for you and your creativity to bounce back between the two because they're different problems you know,
1: yeah, I mean, I find that I try to solve a lot of the problems I have in the field with in ways that I would have would do it in the studio, so For example, if you know this plate of fish is just not looking good, and I'm in a market in Brazil, well, what would I do? Okay, well, let me. You know what? It's the plate. Let me get a different plate. So you know, I'm starting to prop it, which is what I'd do in the studio. But I'd have, I'd have twenty plates, and I'd have you know four other pairs of eyes looking at it with me. But so I'd prop it, and I'd go into the woman's kitchen or into her market stall, and I'd say, Do you have any other plates? And and then she'd show me what she had, and then, um, you know, and then I'd ask her, "Wouldn't mind making another fillet because this one just uh, it's it's not dark enough, and I like it a little a little more brown, so it, it shows up nicer in the picture, darker. Um, you know, can she plate it a little differently and not the way she normally plates it for the customer? Because, you know, I don't know." I'm making some things up, but that that would, those, that would be an example of how I might use my, what I do in the studio to influence what I, how to, how I would approach it in the field. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm still, I'm all, I'm constantly
0: negotiating with people,
1: um, and what I can get away with, uh, in a very nice, you know, nice way.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the other projects, as I was looking on your or your website, is that's really drawn to is uh, the Texas-Mexico uh, borderlands project. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in how that got started for you, like where that project came from. I
1: won a um, a huge grant from National Geographic Magazine, um, their photographers grant, and they started kind of. <clears throat> mentoring me with that project and I worked on it for several years. But yeah, um, you know, I'd go into the field and I'd shoot for six months and then I'd come back, I'd fly to Washington DC and then I'd edit my pictures with the editor. And then, you know, he talked to me about sense of place or, you know, stop covering, you know, stop covering the location or stop covering the people show me what it feels, tell me what they feel like, photograph what they feel. And so I'd sit there and think, well, what does that mean? I have no idea what he means. And I'd go back into the field and I'd photograph more. And I think about trying to feel, trying to photograph what they felt. And, um, I still don't know what that means. I think,
0: uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Cause you can't photograph. It's hard. Uh, I think it, you
1: know, it's just about, it's about, you know, really looking for ethereal qualities and images. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I spent a lot of time editing and shooting and editing and shooting. And I, I really feel like that, that's, you know, that, that's a personal project. And, um, you know, it, 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 I grew a ton in that process. So I, I, I kept that on my side because it's, it's still, it's something I still shoot, um, every year for the most part.
0: And it's, I mean, so you picked that assignment for yourself. I mean, is that, did you live, did did you live, because you were from Austin some, right? I mean, did you live kind of down there and experience that?
1: I have, I have family down there and the project started with me, I mean, obviously it was about culture, but it's about identity. Um, And, you know, I grew up going to visit my family down there and I would constantly try to understand, you know, the the accent and the food and the gestures and how people were with each other. And I was always amazed at how different it was and how it was this combination. Uh, It was like a new America. It was a new Mexico, um, in, in this new kind of old U S, but it wasn't nothing like the U S and it's nothing like Mexico. It's just hybrid place. Um, and it's not very pretty, and it's it's a mix. And some of the wealthiest Latinos in the U.S. live there. It's 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 a real mix of people. And I always found it intriguing and interesting. And I knew that there would be photographs there without a doubt. And so, you know, I'm every time there, I'm always I'm always thinking about what what it, what, it, what else is here that I need to photograph and <clears throat> document or see. It's a very unusual place. It's where these two different cultures collide, and they create a whole different world.
0: Yeah, I was interested in your what are the some of the things you're seeing in terms of that collision of culture, because it's obviously you have you know the American culture and then like this kind of Mexican culture. Um, you know, I mean, like one of the photos that obviously I, that pops into my head that really illustrates that is. Um, you know, the father is taking his daughter out to the truck for oh, yeah. her. I don't know. Is is that like her sixteenth birthday party? Her fifteenth birthday. Fifteenth yeah, birthday, 15th birthday. Party. Um, So it's that's like a very like, you know, it's like a Me- more of like a Mexican type tradition, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. um, or a Latin tradition. And then, but the photo is like in front of this very suburban. Uh, American house that could be anywhere. Yeah. Because it's those yeah. type of houses are anywhere with like a Ford truck. Um, yeah. And it's just this collision of, of the two cultures. It's just fascinating to me um, how they choose yeah, to hold can, on to one, I, <laughs> like how mm-hmm. they choose to hold on to some of their traditions, but then they also adopt ours at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kept looking for those scenarios, you know those places where how people gathered and how, you know, what it looked, that, that again is a hundred percent about geography. You know, it that picture wouldn't mean as much if it didn't have that setting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I was constantly thinking about, you know, how people gather and, and placing it in an environment. And does that look strange or is it interesting? Um, and I think that goes for really any culture, you know, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's where your pictures are. Yeah. Anytime, you know, anytime you see those two different ideas or lives or lifestyles rubbing up against each other, that's, there's photographs there for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I think like the first photo on that series is of uh, like a kid that's like getting his portrait taken in a photo studio, but he's got like American flag behind him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just that contradiction. So I wonder, like, I mean, is it, do the people there, do they, I mean, do they, I know I'm sure it varies, but do they see themselves as American or do they see themselves as, you know, like from That's Mexico? That's a great question. I think like it's, what do they what do they identify <laughs> themselves as?
1: I think it's an individual, uh, it's on a case-by-case
0: mm.
1: basis, to be really honest with you. I think, um, you know, they could say they're Texans, they could say they're Tejanos, they could say they're... Mexican. they could say they're Mexican American. It really depends, you know, it really depends. It's such a, it's a loaded question for people down there. It can be, um, identity is huge. Um, I mean, that's, that's what drew me to the project is I was trying to figure out who I was, you know, and, and I, I never fit completely into that world, but I, should have. I don't understand why I didn't, but I didn't. Um, and that's what drew me to it, is trying to understand it, you know. And I was always the one that, you know, I, I, I have a horrible accent, a um, Spanish accent, and, you know, my cousins would make fun of me. And so uh, it was, yeah, it's just, it was an uncomfortable place. You know, it goes back to that whole thing I said in the beginning. Is, um as a photographer you want to put yourself in an uncomfortable place because that's when you grow the most and it's true um and so sometimes pointing the camera at yourself is the hardest thing it, actually every time it is the hardest
0: thing <laughs> <clears throat> yeah um as we kind of r- wrap up a little bit here i had a uh, a couple of people that had some questions um that oh. i found i found on facebook for you so i was going to Oh cool ask some of those uh that they, that they wanted to uh, hear your answers on. But um, one of, uh, one of the guys he asked, uh, what are some of the hardships that she had to go through on her path as a photographer, which I think we've touched on some of those, but.
1: Right. I think, you know, the hardest, one of the hardest ones is trying to figure out what it is you want to say with your photography. And it takes a long time and you're going to get really discouraged, but it, It takes time, you know, and you have to figure out what you want to say, because if you don't, your pictures are never going to stand out. It's really important to push yourself and figure out what it is you want to say with your photography. And and by that, I mean, shoot as many things as you can. Try every different idea. Um, And then just think about what really excites you, what really inspires you, what makes you have a curiosity. That's you know unquenchable. That's probably what you should be shooting, and that's probably where you're going to grow the most. And then from there, you know you'll figure out what it is you're. You'll develop a personal style as a photographer, and then you know that's the first thing. I and mean, I think that is the hardest hurdle is finding your personal voice. That's the biggest, but it's so important, and it takes years, and I and it continues to sculpt and change and move. Um, throughout your career, but it's important that you push yourself to to find it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> whole other conversation, but I would say that uh-huh. that's the first thing. And then I think um, I think the next thing is the hardest thing is to continue to have momentum in your career. And how do you do that? How do you you know you're self-employed and you're you're rowing your own boat. So how do you continue to make it move forward? And that means just getting up, you know, sitting at your desk and pushing yourself to, to find a personal project or, you know, write in pen emails to, you know, editors or art directors or people that you want to meet and you want to work for. Um, just moving the ball forward in some way, somehow every day. I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles for photographers is just constantly pushing yourself to be moving forward.
0: Yeah, um, that
1: is hard. I'd say those those are too. Yeah, it's really hard, and it, and, and it, it's something as simple as well, you know, update your website. It's a, it's fine. Got to do that every two years. Totally new look. You got to do it, or completely new gallery. I'm about to do that, and it is. A whole, it's just it drags your feet, and you hate it, and you don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And it's painful. It's really painful to go back and look through all those images. And I don't know why, because there's nothing painful about them, but it's a lot of work, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's
1: not what you, it's not what you, you know, it's not why you became a photographer, but it's what keeps you in business. So you have to do that. So, you know, always kind of pushing yourself to be moving forward in some way. That's, that's a huge huge thing to overcome every day
0: Um, another question uh, is if you have any tips for photographers who are pursuing food and culture photography specifically
1: I mean I would say this to anybody whether they were for sure anybody who was pursuing anything whether it's food and culture um, find a project find a personal project and spend more than three days shooting it so spend six weeks going every day and shooting that project in some way. Maybe you can't go for six weeks straight, but you know, find something close to you in your neighborhood that is a project that you care about and spend real time photographing it. That's my biggest piece of advice for anybody out there. Mm.
0: Um, and then, last question is uh, when did it occur to her that she could put. Um the two things together of food and culture. Um, and then how has she found markets to embrace that idea business-wise? Mm-hmm. That's a good question.
1: Um, you know, I, um, I think it's just my background, you know, I, I coming from national geographic and really photographing culture and geography. It was, that's where I was. That was, that was my background. So, and then, and then I just kind of fell in with a magazine that, that, that tells stories uh, about culture around food, so it just kind of is this amazing union, so to speak. Um, and then I realized I just loved it. You know, it wouldn't have been the same thing for me had it been sports or um, anything else. Really, it, it's I, I have an interest in in food. I always have, but but it's it's more because it allows me to connect with people, which is what the camera does too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think food connects people. And so that was just a natural, natural connection for me. Um, I found that people were easily letting me into their lives and wanting me to tell their stories and I could spend hours on end with them because we were dealing with food and it just, the pictures happen when you have time with people or with a subject, the pictures happen a lot faster over time, if that makes any sense. Um, so you know, it's a it's a natural subject for for telling stories because she spent a lot of time with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then business-wise, how do you turn that into business? That's a great question. Um, you got to find the right. You, it's, it's hard. It's but it's a specialty, and I think um, you know, it, it doesn't always translate in business. That's why I shoot studio stuff. That does. So you have to have a mixed bag. I would say that food culture is what fuels me. It's what I love about shooting food.
0: Shooting studio
1: stuff, I love it too, but that's what really pays the bills.
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Um, that was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you kind of giving us a little insight into your life and your thoughts and your projects. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate it. So thank you.
1: Yeah, totally. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for inviting me.